1: What's going on everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into the Lombardi line presented as always by BetMGM. We're coming to you from coast to coast today. Stormy Tony here at our VEASAN studio in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi out east in Jersey and I hope everybody enjoyed the 4th of July holiday yesterday. Michael, I know you did and you sent me some pictures of the barbecue that was happening in your backyard and needless to say, very, very jealous. Looked like you guys had a ton of fun though.
2: Yeah, great beach day. You know, yeah. the water was warm. Beach day, and then barbecue. Fire fireworks went off. That everything went. Everything was really good. You know, it's uh, it's the Jersey Shore. There we go. Got the grill going. Mm. Yeah, we had a bunch of burgers. There's turkey burgers in the back there. So in case anybody doesn't eat meat, we got turkey burgers too. So we were doing it good. It was a fun evening, and and it's always good. And the fireworks were looked absolutely beautiful coming off the ocean. So it, it was great to celebrate the Fourth of July. It's a great holiday. I know it's Steph's favorite holiday, but uh, you know it's it's fun to go out there, ride bikes, enjoy the crew. Everybody had a good time, so we we loved it. And there's your your pool. I love your pool, Stormy. (laughs) I was going to say. Do you need floaties when you go in that pool? Oh, my gosh. Do you need floaties in that pool? The pool pool
1: is the floaty. I love that Steph included that. Yes, so this was a big part of my 4th of July festivities yesterday. I laid out outside in the 110-degree heat in that bad boy. Just take some hose water. Just take some hose water in there. It's great because you can get the sun and flip over, and every time you flip, the wind hits you, so you're never really, really hot. I'm telling you, best $35 I ever invested on Amazon is that little pool thing, but uh, it was a it was a fun holiday. I got my hot dogs in. Oh, speaking of which, Michael, so I'm not going to jump on the sword and say that my reporting was was wrong yesterday when I said that the men's hot dog eating competition was canceled because that's what everybody was told. Even all of the eaters were told that, but Joey Chestnut, the American hero that he is, comes out and says, no, listen, we're going to gather everybody up. We're going to do this thing. And so he made it happen, like, and he ended up winning, once again, his 16th mustard belt yesterday. He did go, anybody that had the unders, like, I know a lot of folks were betting on both Mickey Sudo and Joey Chestnut. That cashed only 62 hot dogs yesterday. But how much of that, Michael, I joked about it on the program yesterday a little bit, but how much of that do you think – Yes, there were the weather conditions, but also the mental, psyche, and physical part of this, where you have a certain regimen in preparation to eat this type of food. Pushed back two hours later, it changes things a little bit potentially.
2: It, it it does. I mean, you know, sometimes it benefits you for the good. Sometimes it it hurts you. You know, in this case, he knew, as we said, he knew he didn't really. <laughs> Excuse me. You. I apologize. Anyway, uh, he knew he didn't have to go all out, right? So yeah, we thought he would go the under. But I think the routine and the fact he had to gather everybody up to participate is somewhat remarkable when you think about it. I mean, the, the promoters, what was going to happen with the money that they raised, all the people that are there? I mean, it was pouring rain. I saw mm-hmm. the clips of it. And, you know, the other factor, who was going to eat all these hot dogs, Stormy? I mean, seriously, where were they all going to go to waste?
1: Yeah, they had to figure out something. That's why we were saying, like, you have to just at least give them to all of the people that are there, um, make use of them. But still, he 62 hot dogs. Uh, I don't know if there were enough people in attendance to cover all of the hot dogs that were on that table. Somebody <laughs> on Twitter posted this tweet, and I, I want to say that I'll get it correctly, but it was that all of the hot dogs that he has consumed over the course of his Nathan's hot dog eating career are like as high as the Eiffel tower in length of hot dogs, which is, wow. Yes. Like just think about that. Mind blown. Incredible. But he gets it done once again. I'm glad that we ended up getting the show. It was fun. He said in his post event um, interview that 77 the record he feels is doable this just wasn't the year and you know we we talk a lot about you don't have anybody to compete with you're getting up there in age as well maybe the motivation and like the body (laughs) physique a little bit different so uh, if you had to set an over under for for next year what would you put for Joey
2: I think he might go over I mean obviously he's got that the uh, uh, urgency to get to 77 or else he wouldn't have brought it up here. I think it's a make a mental note of this next year when we're doing the show on the 4th of July that he wants to go over because he is competing with himself. I I, I wonder how much longer he wants to keep doing this. You know, well. uh, I, I don't know how you could keep. I, I saw a couple guys that looked like, you know, you just look at their body builds. You think they were going to eat 70 hot dogs and they barely could fit 30 in there.
1: I also saw another one of the training things that I forgot to mention when we talked about this previously was he said that part of his training is he drinks a gallon of water to get him started every single day and he counts the number of gulps he can get it down to. When he starts his training, he's usually like above 20 gulps and by the time he's done, he can drink a gallon of water in 10 gulps, which just, again, crazy to think about the different types of things these guys. So we talked about your barbecue, your party yesterday. How about Michael Rubin's Fourth of July white yeah. party yesterday, and the star studded event there, just celebs after celebs, athletes, singers, songwriters, actors, everything it looked incredible.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, Ruben was a part owner of the 76ers, but when Fanatics became a sports betting entity uh, and entered that market, he sold his share, but he didn't sell his his friendships. With, he's very close with Robert Kraft, very close with. I mean, Joel Embiid goes over his house and plays hoops. Yeah. So, yeah, this was a star studded party. There's no question about it.
1: And Embiid and James Harden, Tobias Harris, uh, a lot of those guys among the. You see the photo there with. Devin Booker, or Tom Brady, um, but, but among those 76ers, we also saw shots of Harden talking to Sixers owner Josh Harris, and I would love to be a fly on the wall of that conversation after those two had had a couple of drinks and everything that's going on with him opting into the contract right now. Yeah.
2: Well, I would say that conversation went like this. Look, James – you know, the the market for you was barely this thirty five player option that you had. That's why you had to get in. And the market for us to trade you doesn't make sense. So why not come back and play one more year for us, have another great season, and then maybe this market will be more robust and Houston will be more interested in you as opposed to giving Dylan Brooks four years at eighty million and they'll bring you in. So I, I think to me uh, that had to be the conversation. You've got to believe that Maury is working overtime to convince Harden to stay because the market, as we know with Dame Lillard, I mean, we've been reading about this Dame Lillard market that is, isn't as robust as people think it is. Mm-hmm. And the Miami package isn't anything that Portland's interested in. So let's transition that down to a guy that we all have watched through the course of the season. hasn't Looks like he's in decline. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, unless the Clippers make a tremendous offer to the 76ers, I think the agenda in Philadelphia is to convince them to keep playing there.
1: Yeah, Woj um, reporting the other day, and we talked about this, that it's getting more and more conceivable that Harden does remain with the team that the Sixers would still love that. Woj also reporting, since you brought up Dame Lillard, that the Blazers so far have not been impressed with what Miami has had to offer in a potential trade. And speaking to Daryl Morey working overtime, working overtime when he's not out there at Crumble Cookies. I love this. His He spent a portion of his 4th of July out of Crumble, riffing off the Tobias Harris thing when he said casual Sixers fans would trade me for a Crumble Cookie. He, uh, he said, no casual fans here in an is what it is t-shirt, which... Uh, Big, big fan of that there. As things sit right now, yeah. um, we do have the Clippers still as the favorite. Minus 180 odds on number to land your guy, James Harden, at this point, And the Miami Heat, a $3 uh, favorite still for Dame.
2: I, I would play Philly in that. I mean, you're getting plus money at 270. I think Harden stays at Philly. I really do because I don't think – that Maury wants to trade him. And I think Maury's driving a hard bargain. He drove a hard bargain for Tobias Harris. That's mm-hmm. why the crumble cookie mm-hmm. thing came into play. So I would. Now, the Dame one, to me, is a little bit more interesting. I, I think it's going to, you know, we know Utah's sniffing around. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a team, when you look at the odds board on, on Dame, it may be a team that has, go through the teams that have all these assets, whether it's San Antonio Oklahoma City, all these teams that have assets, it's going to have to be a three-way deal. For Miami, they're going to have to trade Hero for draft picks to then trade those draft picks to Portland. But if they're trading them for draft picks that are a lottery protected, that transition into second-round picks, is that really going to interest Portland? I doubt it. So, look, I, I think it's going to take some time to get Lillard traded, and I really think the plus money on Harden to the 76ers is a good bet. Remember, Philadelphia traded, Allen Iverson to the Pistons before his MVP season. And Matt Geiger had a trade escalator clause in his contract that he would not waive. And the trade fell through. And Iverson had to come back to Philly and won the MVP that year.
1: So if this does end up being what happens and James Harden returns to the Philadelphia 76ers as somebody who is a fan of the team like yourself, although I know that you've been migrating over to Miami um, as somebody who is a fan for (laughs) folks out there that are interested in betting NBA title futures next year. Do you think that with James Harden, they have a better shot or worse?
2: Well, I I think they have uh, a better shot because I think nurse will will coach better, but they won't. I don't think they'll be able to get over the hump. They just haven't added any players to their roster. I mean, they've lost Jaden McDaniels, a the kid they traded Matisse Thybul for. They've lost Shake Milton, who helped them during the season. They lost uh, George Niang, a, a guy who was in their rotation. you know. And, of course, we naturally went right back to the Houston Rockets to sign Patrick Beverly because we only know one album, the Houston Rockets album in, in Philadelphia. So uh, I, I think even though they brought Nurse in, I just don't see how they're going to improve Unless Embiid gets in incredible shape and plays at an even higher level than what he did it as an MVP player.
1: Well, and that's the thing, too, that's always interesting, is he's not even reaching his full potential because of the conditioning aspect. Yep. And he was still an MVP last year and in consideration um, in, what, last three seasons the 76ers 16 to 1 shot in the NBA title odds Um, we'll get into plenty of NBA free agency throughout the show get some winners and losers so far from Michael talk through some things with sports former sportsbook supervisor Harry Gagnon podcast host as well get some MLB plays from him we have our guy I call him our guy because you drafted him and he's one of my colleagues on ESPN college football Kirk Morrison later on in hour or two. But when we come back, we're going to take a look at some season-long quarterback props going division by division. We're going to start in the NFC East. Can this large odds-on favorite in the market be overtaken?
4: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey.
1: Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. This is the Lombardi line presented by, of course, BetMGM. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. And turning our attention to the NFL here, Michael, there are every single day new, unique prop markets that are popping up at DraftKings, which makes it fun for us to find alternate ways to bet, in and bet on and buy in on this league. And there are some... Passing yards leaders by division odds out there. Let's start in the NFC East. Dak Prescott is a minus 250 favorite in the market here. Jalen Hurts, your second shot at plus 275. Sam Howell the uh, with just one start under his belt, 10 to 1, third shortest odds. And I found this interesting. Steph and I were talking about this during the commercial break. Jacoby Brissett, the backup in Washington, has shorter odds than your starter <laughs> for the New York Giants and Daniel Jones.
2: Yeah, which is interesting, too. I mean, Dak Prescott's the favorite. And we know that Mike McCarthy has decided to take over the play calling and try to emphasize more of a running game. Now, does that mean they're just going to run all the time? I think that's really the wrong uh, assumption to make because McCarthy is going to call. I think they're going to throw the football more uh, as much as they did. I think they're just going to pace the game slightly different. But I'm with you. I mean, Daniel Jones had 3,200 yards passing last year, and you know, I mean, Jalen Hurts had 3,700 yards passing last year. So, like, why? How did how did Jacoby Brissett get ahead of them? I, I don't understand it.
1: Yeah, I don't either. And I know that it's still somewhat up in the air who will be the Week One starter. Although Sam Howell is getting that first look to to have the job in Washington. Maybe it's just because of the weapons that he's going to have around him. Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson should be healthy and effective. Curtis Samuel, um, Deami Brown, potential, great potential in a wide receiver from BYU. Dax Milne in, in his third season, I believe now in the NFL looking to take steps. So I would imagine it has to do more with that than them themselves potentially.
2: Yeah, I, well, clearly. And then a new offensive coordinator, Eric B. What are they going to do? How are they going to run the offense? How does he fit in? You know, the, I, I think, you know, Dak had, what, less than 3,000 yards passing last year, but he only played in 12 games because right. of the injury. So, I, I mean, you've got to believe that Hurts is going to continue to expand his passing. And, you know, I know he still runs the football quite a bit. But I think Daniel Jones has got, I don't know if he can lead the the conference in passing. They're going to need more from Daniel Jones. There's no question about that. He averaged under six, uh, seven yards per pass attempt. But to me, you know, one thing you look at is how much running's involved and how the games are going. And Daniel Jones might have to play from behind and throw yeah. the ball more. And at that number, he could be a decent play. That doesn't mean you're the best quarterback in the division. I think we got to separate that a little bit here. It just means that, you're going to throw for a lot of yards.
1: Yeah, maybe, okay, maybe a sprinkle on Daniel Jones at 20-1. to one. What you said about Jalen Hurts and his passing game expanding, you look at each of the last three seasons where he's played 15 games apiece, goes from 1,061 yards passing to 3,144 to 3,701 in 2022. Um, and, yep. and, and Dak, we know if he's healthy and he's playing 15 games plus, then yeah, you're going to probably feel pretty confident considering that In every other season, he's played 16 games. He went over 3,300 yards with highs of 4,900 and 4,450. So, but if there were were two guys, I think that would be worth maybe an investment here. I would say Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones could be fun if you're trying to steer away from the odds on number there. How about in the NFC North? Kirk Cousins, a rightful odds on favorite there as well. Minus 150. I think a natural favorite when Justin Jefferson is your wide receiver one. But who else intrigues you in the division?
2: Well, I mean, look, Goff had 44. There were nine quarterbacks last year that threw for over 4,000 yards in the league, right? Only one threw for over 5,000. That was Mahomes. So we know that going in. Goff was in that elite group. I mean, Goff was sixth overall in terms of passing yards in the league. Cousins was fourth. I think you have to play Goff here at Mm -hmm. plus 180. It's a good number, right? Because you're getting positive money. It's not the perfect number. But you got to believe that Cousins is going to I know they drafted Addison, and I know they got the great Justin Jefferson, but, you know, what happens if his line breaks down? What happens if they're not winning as much? All those things could play into effect. I think Goff is the only one to play there. There's no way you could talk me into, no matter how many times you turn over in that pool and and get yourself cooled down, stormy. There's no (laughs) way you're going to talk me into Justin Fields. There's just no way. Like, there's no way you're doing that.
1: Even at the 25 to one, not worthwhile. I, I agree with you. No chance. You. you could
2: make that 50 to one and I wouldn't touch it. I <laughs> you might look make at 200 to one and to one you before. wouldn't
1: touch it. You would, you would, you would look at that. That's 200 a St. That, that, Jude's
2: you. play. If you put that in there, that's a St. <laughs> Jude's play. If you're playing that,
1: I very much agree. This feels like a two horse race though. And you look at Kirk Cousins numbers from last year, 4,547 yards. Um, and for Goff his first season in Detroit, just over 100 fewer than Cousins last season. So if he continues to take strides, I think that makes sense that he could be a good option there. Um, Cousins is like a 4,000-yard machine, though, gone over that number in seven of his last eight years in the league. But beyond that, Jordan Love, no. Justin Fields, no. Nick Mullins, no. Sean Clifford, no. Like, get the rest of this division out of here because I don't see it happening. In the NFC South, Maybe a little bit of intrigue from you. I'm not sure your thoughts on this one. Obviously, Derek Carr, the favorite in this spot, as he goes from the Las Vegas Raiders to the New Orleans Saints, minus 225, the number. Chris Olave had a great rookie season. You're getting Michael Thomas back. If he plays like we know he's capable of, that could be a really great feather in the cap of that offense. But Bryce Young right there at plus 350, who I know you're a fan of coming out of Alabama Any interest in putting a little bit on the rookie? Yeah, I like
2: that. I would sprinkle that. Look, we know Carr gets his yards. I mean, that's one thing Carr does, is he's going to throw the ball, you know, and and make plays in terms of passing yards and explosive. It doesn't always translate into winning, nor does it translate into great fourth quarter production. But to me, there's pretty clear why he's the favorite. But Bryce Young would interest me, the other side of my brain is that, well, they're going to run the ball. Miles Sanders, Ch- Chuba Hubbard, they're going to run the ball a little bit there, and they're going to rely. But I do think he ha- he would be the only play that you could seriously make. I couldn't do Ritter just because I don't know him. When mm-hmm. I watched Ritter play the last four games of the NFL season, I felt like, you know, he was so careful with the football. Mm-hmm. Plus, in Atlanta's a run-based team. You know, if you want to get away from Carr, who clearly probably will lead the division in passing – I think the only play is Bryce Young. There's no way you could convince me to take Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, even though they've got good receivers in in Tampa. I mean, they've got the best receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but who's getting them the football?
1: Yeah, and and Carr, a regular 4,000-yard passer. Last season, his first season under that number since 2017. And when you talk about Bryce Young, Yes, I know that DJ Moore is no longer there as he's a Chicago Bear, but I feel like their skill position players are a little bit underrated. E- even Miles Sanders there at running back, who you mentioned, he had 509 receiving yards a year ago. He's got some early rapport with Adam Thielen and DJ Chark, who, yes, had the the surgery, but by all reports is looking great this offseason. Terrence Marshall, a young receiver who should be trending upward. I love Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss, their second-round pick. I think he could be um, a really good Pro wide receiver and Hayden Hurst comes over at tight end, so I think there's a lot of weapons around there for Bryce Young to to get the ball out to in the passing game. So his passing yards prop is set at 3,500 and a half, even money on the over. Maybe that's the play too because you know it's not a significant plus money price like plus 350. But I feel pretty confident if he plays. 14, 15 games, he should get over that number. And that's the big question about Bryce young, right? Everybody has that coming into this season nope. because of his frame is his durability.
2: Right. But I think too the style of offense is going to allow Bryce young to make big plays, right? So they're mm-hmm. going to run the ball. They're going to be a play action pass team. And when you are play action pass team, like San Francisco, like the Rams with Sean McVay, you know, when you do those play action and you can catch those Philadelphia Eagles are a play action pass team. Get those over routes and down the field yards after the catch replace. That's it. Those numbers add up for the quarterback. So you don't have to throw nine routes to lead the league in passing. You got to be able to make those big chunk plays, which the run game gives you off of that in play action.
1: And we talked to the NFC West um, this past weekend on Saturday, and both of us kind of agreed when it came to that division. When you look at the top of it, Matt Stafford, plus 150, probably no, Brock Purdy, plus 160. But Geno Smith at plus 225 seemed like a good value bet out of Seattle. He had 4,282 yards last season, best by far in his career, if maybe he can continue to take steps. Um, We have to step aside. I hate when that music comes in because it's just like, all right, wrap it up. Your time is limited, but when we return, breaking down some of the news and notes items around the NFL in no way or no doubt. This NFL quarterback proposed to his girlfriend over the weekend, but that's not the ring that this girl has on her mind when it comes to that team. We'll discuss it all in a moment.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatone, on vSEN, the sports betting network.
1: Welcome back to the Lombardi Line, where it's always football season. And by the way, that's why we've released our NFL betting guide early this year. Came out last Thursday. We've got in-depth profiles of every single team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. Become a Beeson Pro subscriber today for as low as 19 bucks, and you can get our newly released NFL guide or take advantage of the summer kickoff special to get access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for just $175. Every day you wait is every day you're missing out on some great inf- information. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe.
2: Well, I think there's no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Do you disagree
0: with these
1: takes? No way. Uh-uh, no way. Or
0: do you
4: approve? Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, my mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi, no way or no doubt. <laughs>
1: Ah, no diggity, no doubt. That's right. We're back with another edition of No Way or No Doubt, taking a look at some of the NFL news and notes items going on this offseason and whether or not Michael is in agreement or does not stand with some of these statements. Let's get right into it, starting with Brock. Purdy announced his engagement to girlfriend Jenna Brandt over the weekend in beautiful St. Cloud, Florida. But that is not the ring on the mind of San Francisco fans like myself, nor betters who have been invested in the San Francisco futures market when it comes to the Super Bowl. They've made the NFC championship game three of the last four years. But, Michael, all they've walked away with is two losses and no bling whatsoever to show for it. So no way or no doubt Brock Purdy can lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl this season.
2: There's no doubt he can, and he almost did it last year if he stays healthy or if he moves up in the pocket against the Eagles and Hassan Riddick doesn't get a chance to hit his elbow. I think he proved last year as a pure rookie. He's only going to be better. He'll be another Buzz Lightyear player ahead of where he was last year because he's comfortable in the system. And I think the hidden player – in the 49er offense is going to be Debo Samuel, who Mm -hmm. feels like he didn't play to the level that he needs to play last season. So if you believe in the 49er defense, if you believe in Kyle Shanahan's run game, and I do, then I think this team can compete and will, will win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy at the quarterback position.
1: I'm certainly optimistic that they can get over the hump. It's just a matter of health, and hopefully he comes back Looking like the guy that he did in the nine games that he played a season ago. 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,374 yards in that time. The recovery, we understand, going well. Um, But San Francisco, this this one pains me, and I don't want to rub it in on myself as a fan of this team. They've made the NFC title game six times in the last 12 years, Michael. The Patriots and Mm -hmm. Chiefs are the only other teams to have at least five in that span. Both of them have multiple Super Bowls, and the 49ers don't have any. So... Fingers yeah. crossed that this can be the year they can put it together. Well, they had a
2: 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of a game that they probably should have won, you know, and, yeah. and it kind of fell apart for them in that game against the Chiefs. But, you know, look, you, know, you lose your starting quarterback, then you lose your backup quarterback. Well, you lose your third-string quarterback, then you lose your fourth-string quarterback in a playoff game. I mean, that that was a hard game. And unfortunately for us as fans, we did not see the two teams that we thought perhaps where the two best teams outside of the mm-hmm. of the Chiefs play. And, you know, Purdy got hurt. But I think he'll bounce back. Look, the concern you always have about San Francisco is can they stay healthy? Can this mm-hmm. team stay together? Can they handle it? You know, last year when they lost a lot of guys, they lose to Atlanta and Atlanta come home and get routed by the Chiefs at home in San Francisco. So, And that was all injury-related. It had nothing to do with them just not playing well. It had everything to do with their, their injury situation.
1: Yep, a few bad breaks for San Francisco, that's for sure. Now, speaking of the Chiefs, their week one opponent is gearing up, Michael. Lions cornerback Jerry Jacobs said this week on SiriusXM's NFL Rewind, it's time to show what Detroit is made of, adding, every time I hear we're playing the season opener against the Super Bowl champs, we're ready to go out there, play ball, and shock the world. No way or no doubt, the Lions can indeed shock the world and beat KC on Thursday night football to open the season.
2: Well, I think they can definitely shock the world and win the game. I mean, the one thing they have going for them is in the last two seasons in Detroit, Jared Goff's only thrown 15 interceptions. I mean, his interception percentage in Detroit has been the lowest it's been in his career. And that's remarkable, right? I mean, it, when he was one of the reasons that got him out of Los Angeles was he turned the ball over 13 times on interceptions. You know, in the year before, it was 16. So he's done a good job there. The offense is really good, and I think the offense will continue to improve. They've added skilled players around them. Whether Gibbs can assume the swift role at the same level, we'll see. But they seem to think he can. And if they can play good enough defense early part of the season, which they didn't last year, I think they certainly can compete and kind of rub it out. Now, we're going to find out how they handle success. I think that's going to be the key component here.
1: Yeah, I really found their footing late last season, winning eight of their final 10 games in the regular season. See if they can carry that confidence into week one. A six and a half point dog on Thursday night football in Arrowhead against Kansas City, plus 225, plus 230 range on the money line. Bears GM Ryan Poles told ESPN that after getting the Bears job in 2022, he began sleeping in his office so he wouldn't miss a minute of prep for that upcoming draft. "Quote That was not healthy doing that last year. I don't want to go through that again, but it was necessary to get the job done. Just a little different approach. I'm going to go a little different approach on my question to you here, Michael. No way or no doubt, Michael Lombardi has once fallen asleep at the office getting set for a draft.
2: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, we had sleep rooms and we had sleep rooms in New England. We had sleep rooms in Cleveland. You know, when you have sleep rooms, you just you don't just go over and take a little nap, and you keep working. I mean, there's just not enough time. Although, as I've gotten away from the NFL and done a lot of study on fitness and and mental health, I mean, it's really not a productive thing because you need rest is one of the key components to making good decisions. So, I would urge Ryan to go and get some really solid rest and and try to not fit everything into one day, but look, the job's overwhelming, especially when you've never done it. I mean, Ryan's actually never really been, you know, he's been a, a more of a, an area scout. You know, he had titles, but running an NFL team is a whole different operation in terms of building a team, drafting the team, creating the situation and player development. Those are hard, hard things to do, and when you have no experience in that, you, you feel like the, the world's just creeping up on you. There's just not enough time in the day. So, yeah, we're all going to sleep in our office. I'm not sure it was productive as we'd like to do. I'm sure, Stormy, you know, when you get up early, I mean, when you do those, when you were on the road doing your prep, I'm sure you pulled all-nighters down at San Diego State before.
1: I, I have pulled a couple, not proud to admit it. But, Michael, speaking to the fact that you've been able to get more rest and make better decisions, great decision. Coming on a show with me, my guy. Look at us. Look at us, Scott. Yeah,
2: no question. <laughs> I, I've been saying that for a while now. I tell that to John Goulet every day.
1: Hey, I, I like that. You're going to help raise my stock up here in the company. Appreciate you, Michael. We'll keep it rolling here on No Way or No Doubt. Jet second-year wide receiver Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year last year, racking up 1,103 receiving yards and four touchdowns, and that's catching passes from the likes of Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White. No Way or No Doubt, Michael, now that Garrett Wilson has a Hall of Famer quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, that he's easily going to get over his prop. It's only 1,150 and a half yards at DraftKings.
2: No doubt he will. I mean, and, and no matter which way this goes, he's, if the Jets win and win big, he'll get it. If the Jets kind of become a wild card team, he'll get it. But with Rodgers, even though Rodgers threw for less than 4,000 yards last year, he's going to be able to play well enough in this offense. And I think the way their offensive line is set up, they'll throw the ball a little bit more than they run it, because that's what Rogers is going to want to do, and he'll take advantage of it. And I think Wilson will have a huge year. I really do. And with Lasard around to take some of the pressure off of him, you know, they're going to end up doing something with Corey Davis. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Mikel Hardiman's there too, so I really like this to go over 1,100 yards.
1: We'll see if he can get a little more end zone love as well. He had four touchdowns last year. The receiving touchdown prop set at eight and a half. It is plus one twenty on the over. The uh, there's an NFL.com article up right now posing the question: Will Najee Harris maintain his workhorse role in the Steelers offense since his rookie year in 21? The Steelers running back has back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. leads led yeah leads the NFL with 579 carries and 649 touches. But with all of the weapons around him and Kenny Pickett feeling more comfortable as a passer maybe that workload on the ground could lighten. So no way or no doubt, Najee Harris will maintain that workhorse role in Matt Canada's offense this year.
2: No doubt, because he's versatile, Stormy. He's good in the passing game. He's got great hands. And, look, we know Pittsburgh's style of offense is going to be built around a good run game, play action pass. It's going to make the game easier for Pickett. Look, when they drafted Pickett, I truly believe they didn't think, oh, my God, we got a top five player here sitting here at the 20th pick overall in the draft. I think they felt like we got a smart player who can protect the football, make good decisions, and we've got to be good around them. You know, I think sometimes when we say the quarterback got picked in the first round, we think he's just going to carry the franchise. Well, that's not going to happen. No quarterbacks carry in the franchise. Very few do. Jared Goff's not carrying mm-hmm. the Lions. He's helping the Lions. And so you have to tailor an offense around him and utilize those skills. And I think Najee Harris is part of that helping Kenny Pickett become a good player. Pickett, like Mac Jones, can't rely on his skill. He's got to rely on his mind. Does Make he, good decisions and be accurate with the football.
1: On the ground, does Harris get over 1,000 yards? His rush prop set at 975 and a half.
2: I'm over that. Yep, there's no question I'm going over that. He does
1: it again. We got to take a break here. Great edition of No Way, No Doubt. But when we return, former sportsbook supervisor in Las Vegas, Harry Gagnon, will join the show. Get into some John Deere Classic, MLB, and NBA after this quick timeout.
4: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
0: If you dare.
3: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
1: Turn a loss into a win with BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Plays the same game parlay wager with at least four legs on any MLB game. The all the legs of the parlay hit for one. You'll get your stake back and bonus bets up to 25 bucks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and up only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification. Eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. U.S. promotional offer is not available in Kansas City, Mississippi, D.C., Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in select states. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In New York, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. This offer is not valid to Puerto Rico residents. Rolling along here on the Lombardi line. We will talk a little MLB here in a moment, but as we welcome in great Friend of the show, Harry Gagnon, host of the Against All Odds podcast, former Las Vegas sportsbook supervisor at AAO. Harry, we're going to start with a little golf here because my guy coming off the Ricky Fowler victory last week, you had him outright, you had him top 20. Um, We're looking forward to rolling that into the John Deere Classic this week as well. How are you?
5: Yeah, everything's great. Yeah, that was nice last week. Fowler came through in a playoff, got a little... uh, a little hairy excuse the pond at the end, but still he pulled it out. so yeah, John Deere Classic, you know uh, the field is a lot it's very soft a lot of times it's uh, players usually head over across the pond to play in the British Open. Uh, but I got a couple names here for you sirremy. How about at both at 28 to 1 and both at plus 165 to finish in the top 20 Taylor Moore and Ludwig Aberg. Now when I was in Barcelona a couple months ago, I spoke to this guy who loves golf. I met this guy from Sweden. He told me to look out for a guy, the Swedish guy named Ludvig Eberg, and he's played fantastic in the last three weeks on tour. Um, he's only played in uh, his last three tournaments. He's 31 under par. He's only played in five tournaments all year so far, but 31 under in his last three tournaments, so that's a guy to look at. He had a great first uh, two rounds last week as he shot 65 and sixty-seven. And I mentioned Taylor Moore, too. He has a win on tour uh, at the Valspar in March. Uh, Finished tied for fourth last week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And he fired four rounds in the 60s. So those are the two guys I'm looking at this week. Taylor Moore and Ludwig Aberg in a field that's not, not that impressive. Pretty soft.
2: Yeah, uh, Stormy, what he didn't mention in that commentary there was he was in Europe staying at the same hotel as Bruce Springsteen, hanging out with the boss, going to see the concert in Barcelona, and then taking the European (laughs) tour around with the boss, who's off until July the 11th, which I'm sure Harry will resume his touring with the boss over in Europe. So that's why that's his research. I don't know how he he manages it all on you know, all this golf. I, I mean, it's really remarkable how he intertwined that in there. You know, meanwhile, in between Springsteen shows. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the the Liverpool, the British, the Open, as they call it, over in Liverpool this year. Tigers won mm-hmm. it there before. Rory won there before. Who do you like in that as we look ahead 10 days from now?
5: Well, you know, I, I kind of do like Rory just because he's been on the cusp. He's been right there, Mike. He's been right there. Uh, he's it just doesn't seem like he can put four solid rounds together it's always one that really kind of screws him uh, usually on the weekend but I think Rory is a guy that just he's just that close to getting it done um, I like him a lot but also you can't count now Brooks Koepka, uh, you know already a major this year um, he's right there he played tough At the U.S. Open, didn't quite get there, but still finished nicely. Uh, I think that's a guy who always uh, right around the majors. uh, He's always in the thick of things. So, yeah, that's a a guy you got to look at, too. Keep an eye out on him as well.
1: Let's turn our attention to Major League Baseball here. Um, Obviously, the Angels dealing with some uh, problems here. Shohei Otani has the blister yesterday. We know Mike Trout's out anywhere from four to eight weeks with his injury. Um, they've got the Padres tonight, but in terms of their future and potential trade of their star in Shohei Otani, how do you think that things could play out for the Angels throughout the rest of the season?
5: It's going to be tough for JVT's Angels. I'm just, I'm just, look, you look, you look at them right now. They're seven back in the AL West, they're four back of the wild card, five and 10 uh, in their last 15. Their next three opponents, I mean, they finished the series today with the Padres then they get the Dodgers, then they have the break, and they get Houston, the Yankees. Boy, if they're in Redone's banged up as well, if they don't have those guys in the lineup for for any, you know, Otani can't pitch, um, and they go on a, a big, uh, you know, like I said, three and seven in the last ten, they continue to uh, spiral downward. They, this could get away from them quick, and then who knows. The Angels could all of a sudden be their third now. They could be fourth in the uh, – in The West and it could just fall apart for the Angels, especially in those, like I said, next basically 10 games. They got 10, 11 games. We'll see if they really fall way behind.
2: And you like the Padres on the run line against the Angels tonight. Is that right, Harry? Yeah, I do. I like the Padres. Minus one and a half, plus 115. Again, we
5: just mentioned plenty of injuries for the Angels. Who knows what's going to be, uh, what the lineup is going to look like uh, later on today. Seth Lugo. Last start went six strong innings for the Padres, gave up zero earned runs. And Xander Bogarts is feasting on Angels pitching in the series. He's five of six in the series. he got two home runs, a double, um, four runs scored, and six RBIs. Had a home run last night at Potani. Look at the Padres. Who, listen, Stormy, it's a, we, there's still a run in the Padres this year. they got too much talent to just fold here. they won a few here in a row. Let's get on a roll before the All Star break and turn it around. The Padres continue. Here with their winning streak, they sweep the Angels. I'm going to take a minus one and a half.
1: You're speaking my language. Hey, a girl can dream. Let's see if they can put it together. And uh, on that run line, by the way, priced anywhere from plus 110, plus 115. I'm seeing on the Padres to get it done. It is a hefty 15-game slate today. Anything else specific that you're looking at on the card?
5: Yeah, here in Arizona, I'm going to take the Mets minus 1.5 plus 140. By the way, Mike, by the way, it's Sal's birthday today if you want to reach out to Sal, cousin Sal's birthday today. Uh, so I'm taking Oh, I Mets. will. Thank you. I, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take his Mets. Uh, they've actually won three in a row. Arizona's lost two in a row. Uh, Senga's on the mound for the Mets. Three of his last four starts, he's given up two earned runs or less. Over those four starts, he's averaging 7Ks per game. And over the last seven road games, the Mets are averaging averaging six runs a game. You made the Mets minus one and a half at a nice price at plus one forty against the Snakes today.
2: And let's talk about the NBA. Uh, Where what are you putting your money on, Dame Dame Lillard to land?
5: Well, guys, I got a couple spots. Maybe Um, you know I know the Heat is very popular. It would be a nice uh, trifecta of All Stars and Bam. Dame and Butler, Butler could control the game. Um, He's a very smart player. Meanwhile, Dame could be their number one scorer. Bam continues to evolve. That'd be a really good three, and the team still would be pretty good defensively. But how about this for a long shot? I was thinking the Utah Jazz. Now, Dame went to school in Utah at Weber State. Lori Markkinen is the top 15 player in the league. They just re-signed Jordan Clarkson, who's coming off its best season of his career, averaged 21 a game for Utah. So maybe it's a long shot. The Jazz, who, you know, finished the season eight games under 500 last year, but they were supposed to lose a lot more than that. They're not a bad team. That's a heck of a nice 3-2 if he gets to Utah.
1: And, hey, if he's somebody who likes living in Portland – Salt Lake city is a nice upgrade from there over San Antonio. If you're looking at some of those, <laughs> those other teams with assets that are <laughs> right. tradable uh, a little bit later on in hour two, Harry, Michael and I are going to break down some of the, the NBA free agency teams that have done really well, or maybe that are losers in our mind so far in this first week, who's a big winner and loser for you. Uh
5: big winner for me is the Indiana Pacers. I love the uh, Bruce Brown signing. Uh Seems decent price, oh, you know. Two years, forty-five million. Considering what the defense he brings to a team that really needs it in Indiana, he's only twenty-six. He's got a championship to his credit. He's got that championship pedigree, attitude that he brings to the Pacers. The Pacers now with him, with Matherin in the second year, uh, Halliburton. This team is not bad, and they finished pretty good at the end of the season last year too. This team is going to be interesting next year. And teams that I don't like so much. I know we discussed this a little bit, uh, Stormy, uh, last week, but I just don't really love this Beal move uh, to Phoenix overall. I think they gave up a ton. Phoenix again, um, that he hasn't played. He hasn't played more than sixty games in a season since two thousand nineteen. Phoenix has three guys now. Yeah, they'll average twenty points a game, but they really have no bench. I know they just signed in the, a couple days ago, thirty-four year old Eric Gordon. I'm not exactly sure what he's going to be able to deliver to this team. But again, no defense on this team and nobody that can take over Denver down the stretch in the playoffs. And Aiton at this point is kind of a joke. I don't think he'll ever see the ball down low. Any points he gets are going to be offensive rebounds, which are we've seen lately are few and far between.
1: Harry, good luck with your bets, and go have fun with Bruce. Thanks, Thanks Harry. Mike.
2: Philadelphia, August Thanks. 18th. I got tickets Beautiful, right Mike and Mike I, swear, Mike, I swear to you, I'm leaving for Germany
5: on Monday. I'm going to Austria and Italy and Germany. What, what
1: an incredible oh, you're me, life. You're me. Um, and, and speaking of what he said about the Suns, they did whatever they could with the minimum spends that they could yeah, do. Yeah. I, I think they did a good job. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but health is going to be critical for the Suns if they want to make a run.